Take your Bible, if you would, and join me today in Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter number 16. Let me share with you the title of our message today at the very beginning, and that is Stand by Her. Stand by Her. Romans chapter number 16 in just a few moments is where we're going to be. And I do find it at least interesting and noteworthy that there are some who believe that once you finish with Romans chapter 15, you have essentially finished with the book. They say, you know, really Romans chapter 16, it's just kind of like taking care of some, some say hello to so-and-so and, and what else do you find in Romans chapter 16? But as we come to the conclusion of this book and we do find ourselves in Romans 16, I think what we're going to find is there is still a treasure trove of truth that lays before us in the, the verses, the communications that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is giving to us in Romans chapter 16. And one of the things that we're going to see here is we're going to see a list of names. Okay, now, now don't raise your hand, but how many of you cheat when you're doing your scripture reading and you're having your devotions and you get to one of the list of names in the book of Leviticus? How many of you cheat? Let's just, let's just be honest. It's good for this. Oh, wow, a lot of cheaters in church today. Okay, so sometimes we get to passages like this and we say, it's just a list of names. So why, why are these names important? Well, well, first of all, I would submit that it's not so unimportant if the name is yours. When it's your name that is being mentioned and you personally that are being addressed, there's something meaningful and significant about it. And then we, we might also, you know, wonder about the fact that, that since Paul is just making these personal greetings, is there really something left? Is there really something left for, for people like you and me? And again, I would say the answer is as we unpack these scriptures, we're going to find truths in here that are rich in meaning for people like us just today. You may have heard an expression similar to this one. You can tell a lot about a man by two things, the books he reads and the friends he keeps. The books he reads and the friends he keeps. So we do know a lot about the books that Paul reads because he references the Old Testament books repeatedly. And from this passage, Romans chapter 16, we're also going to learn something about the friends that he keeps. And this chapter, of course, is not so much about the books he reads, but it is filled with the friends that Paul keeps. And then he uses the word greet or the word salute repeatedly. Greet so-and-so, salute so-and-so. Both of those words come from the same Greek word, and he's saying, I want you to extend my personal greeting to the people that are mentioned throughout the course of this chapter. And in the next several verses, the Apostle Paul is going to refer to some 28 people. 26 of those people are mentioned by name. And I think it's also interesting, he's going to call out with personal greeting some 26 people in this passage of Scripture, and he's talking to people at a church that he's never personally visited. 
You know, one of the things that this tells us about the Apostle Paul is this guy was well-connected with people. And he knew their name. You know, I I stand and I, I look out at a, what is a rather vast audience. And I can say this truthfully and as transparently as I could, I, I do wish that I knew every name, that, that I could walk by you in, in a lobby or a hallway or, or an aisle and, and call every person by name. The Apostle Paul calls some 26 of them by name. It means to me that a pattern that he's established and seen here in Romans and and also noted in his other letters, his other epistles, that the Apostle Paul is a guy who is connected with people by name. Did he know everyone's name? He does not. But one thing we know is that people and their names are important to the Apostle Paul. And we might even be here today and we say, well, nobody knows my name. Let me reassure you, that is not the truth. When we think about who knows my name, there is one who is the most important person in the room. And he knows your name. In John chapter 10, we get some insight into the way Jesus operates with those that are his own. And the Bible reminds us in John chapter 10, verse number three, and the sheep hear his voice and he calleth his own sheep. Aren't these wonderful words by name? There is one, not all know our names, but there is one, the most important person that we have assembled to magnify today. And that one knows your name. The next several verses, the the Apostle Paul again is going to do this work of greeting. And Paul is including this this wide group of people in the greeting. I mean, there there are people from all different kind of socioeconomic backgrounds, different ages and stages of life. You have people that are Greek or Latin or Jewish. You have people from different avenues of employment. You have such a diverse group of people. What you get the idea of is Paul, like God, is no respecter of persons. Paul's not saying, hey, make sure you tell so-and-so I said hi, because they're so important. In fact, in this list of names, we find it at least noteworthy that the, the, the main leaders of the church are not those necessarily that are being greeted. He doesn't say, make sure you tell the the people that everyone in the assembly would know. He's talking to a group of people that maybe few knew, but Paul takes time to greet. I have a friend in Washington, D.C. His name's Jameson Coppola. Jameson works in D.C. defending the rights of Christian schools and colleges. And Jameson talks about the D.C. handshake. The D.C. handshake. He says the D.C. handshake is always this. You go and you you shake the person's hand, but you're always looking over their shoulder for the next most important person in the room. And you know, the Apostle Paul's not doing that. The Apostle Paul doesn't say, hey, how are you? I wonder who else is here that might be a little bit more important. 
The Apostle Paul is taking time with a wonderfully diverse group of people and he is calling them by name. And then you just start to think about the partnerships that he has. These are just a few of the different groups of people, the people that he's representing in his greeting. He says, our sister, my helpers, servant, well-beloved, those who bestowed much labor, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, and on and on the list goes. This is a group of people that Paul has personally connected with. And clearly while he's connecting with this diverse group of people from all different kinds of backgrounds, a wide variety of interests, there is one person that becomes the connecting point for them all. One person that they are all connected with, that they all share in common. And again, that's the person of Jesus Christ. You can't help but see Jesus all throughout the pages, the verses of Romans chapter 16. He's just everywhere present. Listen to, again, not an exhaustive review, but listen to a brief review of how Jesus comes out even in his closing greeting to this group of people. He says in verse number two, receive her in the Lord. Verse number five, the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Verse number seven, who were in Christ before me. Verse number 10, these are approved of Christ. Verse 11, which are in the Lord. Verse number 12, which labored much in the Lord. Verse 13, chosen in the Lord. Verse 16, the churches of Christ salute you. Do you know, even in Paul's, hey, tell so-and-so that I send my greeting, he can't get far away from Jesus Christ. He just keeps coming out in his conversation. And you know, the reason we'd say this happens is because Paul is what we might call Christ-saturated. Christ-saturated. It's not like there's just this little sprinkling of Jesus on his life. Jesus permeates his life. Uh, the other day, uh, Julie was in the garage and she had these five-gallon buckets out and she was, she was dyeing some panels that she was using for decoration for a ladies' event. So she has these large panels and these big buckets of dye. And I don't know that we've ever actually dyed anything before, but she's got them in there. And she had a light-colored shirt on and she was going to dye some very dark blue fabric. So you're already two steps ahead of me. You know what happened. She got some little dots of dark blue on this light shirt. So she went, she changed her shirt. She brought her shirt back. And you know, I mean, at first you just have a little, a few little dots of blue. So do you know what she did? She made her, her light shirt dark, okay? She just immersed it in the five-gallon bucket of dye. And then what do you get? You get a shirt that is saturated with something that was not its first its first hue. But now when you pull that thing out and you rinse it out, it is saturated with something that it was not by nature originally. And you know what happens to the Apostle Paul? Something that he was not by nature originally. The Apostle Paul was not Christ-saturated. In fact, he was an enemy of the cross of Christ. And now he's come to know Jesus personally and every aspect of his life begins to exude Jesus. He can't even make a closing greeting to a group of people without Christ coming out over and over and over again. In Luke chapter 6, verse number 45, 
Jesus said this. He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You can't get your mouth to consistently and believably speak of that which is not first in its heart. You'll be hard-pressed to continually and naturally talk about Jesus and the things that are important to him if he has not first filled your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Well, of all the people that the Apostle Paul could mention in this closing chapter, we're just going to introduce ourselves to the first person that he mentioned in these closing words. Your Bibles are open right now to Romans chapter 16. Let's begin in verse number 1. Romans chapter 16, read with me or look with me, Romans 16 beginning in verse number 1. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sancria, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a securer of many and of myself also. Okay, the first thing we're going to see about this person that the Apostle Paul introduces us to is we're going to see Paul's referral Paul's referral for Phoebe, and then he is presenting her as a sister. Paul's referral for Phoebe, and he's presenting her as a sister. Now notice again those first few words. He says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. Okay, so the first person that Paul mentions by way of this greeting is someone that is rather important to us today, even in our reading. This is a rather personal referral. It's a commendation. She's about to arrive at Rome. I don't know if you've ever been given something of utmost importance, like, hey, this has to get into the hands of so-and-so. And it's really important. Have you ever forgotten something before? How many of you have ever found something, maybe in a coat pocket, and it's like, oh, I can't believe I forgot to do that. That it was there, I have to do this. And then maybe some weeks later, it's like, oh, I can't believe I. Of all the people that the Apostle Paul could entrust with, this has to be done. This is a letter that Paul has labored over. Certainly prayed over. He senses that this is a letter infused with the Spirit of God from him to the church at Rome. Paul entrusts into the hands of Phoebe the epistle, the letter to the church at Rome. Most people believe, most scholars think, the person who delivered the letter was this lady whose name is Phoebe. She puts it into the hands of those ready listeners at the church in Rome. And it shouldn't go without noting that the first person that Paul mentions in this list of people is a woman. And it's not insignificant. Remember of the 26 people which he refers to by name, nine of them are women. And of them, four are mentioned as being laborers in the work of the Lord. Now, we should also note that this is from a, from a time period some 2,000 years ago when women were not prized as valuable in culture. In fact, if a person had, if a, if a mother was to have a child, if that child was a, 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 a female, a little baby girl, 
There is something that tells the person she is not valuable to the family. You've heard of some of the ancient writings that detail if a person, a husband writing to his wife said, listen, if you have a boy, thanks be to the gods. But if you have a girl, expose it. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, take the child and just leave it out for the child to either die or be collected by someone for purposes that we dare not even think of. This was the value of a woman. A man, of course, had all kinds of voting rights. He had business rights, but a woman. And so the first person that Paul mentions in this list of important greetings, a woman. Sometimes I think we believe that the Bible is rather, rather limited in its view of women. Misogynistic, and maybe that Paul is somewhat chauvinistic. The pages of Scripture value and protect women like no other book on the face of the earth. And the Apostle Paul begins to give us, peel back just a little bit of the insights into not only his own heart, but the heart, I believe, of God revealed through the person of the Holy Spirit. So Paul's being careful here, and, and he's highlighting this sister in the Lord. To whom does the Holy Spirit entrust this most important letter? Paul's manuscript to be delivered from Corinth to the church at Rome. And one author said this, as as far as the magnitude of what it is that Phoebe is delivering, he said she carried the future of Christian theology in her hands, in her purse, so to speak, to the church at Rome. Donald Gray Barnhouse wrote this. He said, never was there a greater burden carried by such tender hands The theological history of the church through the centuries was in the manuscript which she brought with her. The Reformation was in her luggage. And I believe Phoebe, of course, was chosen for this special task, not because she was looking for attention, but rather because she was worthy of acceptance. And Paul gives her this special referral. He uses the word commend, and here's what it means. Paul says, I commend unto you, Phoebe. The word commend means this. He says, I'm standing together with Phoebe. He said, church, apparently he's concerned that maybe she's overlooked. Her, her name, Phoebe, it's, it's after a Greek goddess. She's a converted Gentile. There's some friction, some tension that's taken place in the church at Rome, understandably between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so I think Paul's a bit concerned. And here's what he says. He says, listen, I'm standing with Phoebe. I commend her. I'm referring her to you. You receive her like you would me. He's standing by her. Do you know, I suspect that the church today could use a good dose of people standing with others who may have or may find it rather difficult to be accepted in the beloved. Have you ever watched a church, and and by the way, I say this with um, excitement and with appreciation, have you ever watched a church begin to get outside of its comfort zone and begin to minister to those that may look a little different than that core group in the church? 
What's happening at Rome is Paul saying, okay, Phoebe's coming to you. This is the only person that he mentions that's not a greeting, not a salute. Phoebe's coming. Listen, you receive her like you would me. I am standing by her. I am deeply grateful for the manner with which we have a growing regard for those that come into our presence from diverse backgrounds. I see Campus Church welcoming people, making room for them, sometimes even physically moving seats, approaching them after services. And generally, like Paul asked the church at Rome to stand with Phoebe, it is thrilling to look around and see people begin to stand with others. Like, okay, so, so maybe they don't get some of the, for lack of a better expression, Christianese. Like they, they don't know this is how it's done at our church. But instead of looking at the person with some skepticism, like they should know, there are people now that are going to those saying, hey, let me stand by. Let me stand with you. The Apostle Paul sends her, clearly, this is a trustworthy woman. She probably does have the appearance of some pedigree. She, she, we get indication that Phoebe may well be a wealthy businesswoman, rare in the day. But the Apostle Paul seems concerned that there could be some reservation regarding her. So he says, I'm standing with her. Receive her like you would me. It's the first thing that we see about Phoebe. It's Paul's referral. He refers her, listen, this is my sister in the Lord. Go a little bit further and let's look at Paul's recognition of Phoebe. And that is a servant. Not only is she my sister, now he says, okay, here's what you're going to see about her. I've seen it. You're going to see the same thing. It's the recognition of Phoebe. She's a servant. And again, Romans 16, 1. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sancreia. The next thing we notice here is that Phoebe is a servant. It's believed, again, that Phoebe, um, the person that is mentioned in this passage, is a person of means. She had some wealth that she had used. And when the Bible uses this expression, she's a servant of the church, it's like, okay, what means has God placed in my hands, at my disposal, to advance the work that he's given my church to do? She is a servant of the Lord that served the people of the Lord. So recently we had a big event uh, at the end of the summer, beginning of the school year for teenagers, and it's called the Coastal Kickoff. So we had hundreds of teens come, and it was really a, a wonderful event. We had, um, again, hundreds of teens. Uh, Pastor Matt Tice came and presented Bible truths. It was a great day. But I will tell you, the most exciting part for me at that event was before the event officially began. I stood in the lobby of a large room and our youth pastor, Pastor Gorley, was addressing a host of people. And I saw people from Campus Church from every age and stage of life, literally. I saw several of our senior saints that were there helping for a teen event. I saw people that were brand new to Campus Church and they're wearing the, uh, the volunteer shirt so they can be identified as people that can help. I saw young and old all gathered around with excited anticipation of how they can 
serve the church. You know, at times we recoil from serving because of the cost of service. And it always costs us something. Most often it costs us what is that most valuable limited commodity, which we refer to as our time. Like if I do that, it means I can't do the other. If I volunteer for this, it means it will cost me this. There is always some cost to service. And Phoebe, what again we understand to be a wealthy woman, did understand the cost. But I think what she did is she said, God, with open hand, I allow you to put something in. And with the same openness, I allow you to take something out. Listen, you don't have anything, no possession, no wealth, no anything that you didn't have to have an open hand for God to place it in. But isn't it remarkable how often once God has placed some resource in our open hand, the hand then rather by reflex begins to close to hold on to that which has been placed in. And Phoebe seems to, with an open-handed way, say, Lord, you've placed it in, you can certainly take it out. The cost of serving. I have watched, and I don't mean this to be a continual uh, promotion for campus church and service, but I have watched campus church serve members of the body specifically in ways that are most meaningful. This was about two months ago, and I was standing with a very small group at a graveside of a little girl who died at the age of 22 days. Her name is Zoe. And so her dad and her mom said, we'd like to have a little memorial, a little remembrance on what would be her one-year birthday. And so Brian and Stephanie um, invited just a small group. And so there were probably eight or ten of us there. And, and we're all standing there. In fact, they, they brought little cupcakes. And we, we had a little celebration for what would have been the one-year birthday of Zoe. So we're all standing there, and, and then Brian invited any who wanted to to just share some memories. And so we did. And one person would share, and another, and another. And finally, we had all said some, some special remembrances, some meaningful impacts. And, and then finally, Brian spoke. And I can remember standing there, and it's just a beautiful, warm summer evening. And I'm standing there and we're all gathered around and Brian begins to talk. And Brian began with this. And I'm standing right there. Brian began by saying, all right, first. And Brian's kind of a straightforward kind of a guy. And he said, okay, first, I don't really like big churches. Okay, I'm standing right there, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and he just said it. So he says, I don't really like big churches. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, I'm just smiling, you know, wonderful. And, um, and everybody, you know, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable and everybody's kind of standing there like looking at me, you know. And then Brian said, you know, I've always thought that big churches are, are impersonal. And he said, but I just have to say, and, and you know, again, Brian's a straightforward guy, but emotion filled his voice. He said, I just have to say, when, when even Zoe was born, the people that just immediately surrounded us from our church. And then he started to detail 
event after event after event where the church served a member of the body. And you know what they were serving with? They were serving with their resources. You say, well, you mean they, they gave money? Maybe some of them did, but they had a resource, something that they could offer. And Brian just starts to share story after story after story. And do you know how he concluded? I, he concluded with essentially, I really love my, my big church. Campus church is not the size of the church that matters. It can be a large church with many members. It can be a small church with members in particular. What does matter about that assembled body is that assembled body comes together with the recognition that in our midst, there are choice servants. You know, one of the ways that we serve one another is we do so at times through one of the the simplest ways, the most basic ways, yet can be profound ways. We're going to get to a little bit later in this passage. Some of you say, hey, I can't wait to get to this passage. Because it says, greet one another with an holy kiss. Okay, And some of you are like, hey, preach that, brother. Preach that. Okay, Okay, so so it still has this idea because Paul's doing a lot of greeting. Do you know one of the most basic ways you serve one another is the manner with which you greet them? Did you know what a greeting does for another person? It recognizes their value. It recognizes their value. Um, how, many of you, um, how many of you ever wave at people, you know, like they're driving by and maybe you're walking? I walk a lot. And so in my neighborhood, I wave at all the cars, okay? I just wave at them. And I've noticed there are different ways that people wave. Have you ever had people just do like the, you know, just a little, you know, they're driving like, yo, you know? There is a guy in my neighborhood, I don't know his name, he drives a purple Tesla. That's all I know about him. But I'm telling you, this guy has the best wave. If I'm walking and I see the Tesla, the purple Tesla coming, I, I got a little smile on my face. I know I'm going to get a good wave. He, I don't know exactly, I can't recreate it exactly, but he has his one hand, left hand on the wheel, and then he kind of leans over himself. Whenever, whoever... He leans over and he's just like, eh, you know. Man, when I see him come out, I'm like, hey, you know. Why? Because I get a wave. There's something special about certain groups. Um, years ago, I used to, when I'd take teens on long trips, there was a large, a big MCI bus that I could drive. And I love driving that bus because when you're driving that bus, this was back in the day when bus transportation was a little more common. But, you know, all the big bus drivers, the Greyhound bus drivers, all the big, you know, like the tour bus drivers, they all wave at you. They don't wave at every vehicle going by. But, man, I love it. You know, I'm driving that big bus and, and uh, you know, I mean, you'd see them coming down the interstate. You're just like, hey, because we're in the little club right now, you know. Um, I like to ride motorcycles. And um, so I drive a Honda. And I will say that some of you um, Harley guys need to practice the scripture here, okay? Because if you're riding, there's, there's, a, there's a, a wave. When you're riding a motorcycle, you just kind of take two fingers, kind of wave them out like, hey, dude, you know, and give them that, you know, the little wave. And a lot of times, man, I wave at everybody, you know, like, hey. You know, and the Harley driver is just like, bum, 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 bum. no wave, you know. Do you know there's something about the scripture here when it talks about serve one another that says, I greet you 
Paul repeatedly, greet so-and-so, salute so-and-so, greet one another. Do you know what he's doing? He's saying, hey, listen, there's some value even in the manner with which you recognize worth in another person. You know, sadly, at times we become so absorbed with ourselves, we feel like it's work to greet another person. Just a greeting. So someone says hello to us, and we give a little nod like, yeah. Someone, someone looks at us in the face, and they greet us, and we, we, we find it almost effort to make eye contact and greet another person. Paul goes to great pains at the end of this chapter to greet, to greet, to greet. Do you know how one of the ways we can serve one another is just by expressing value facially to serve them through the simplicity of a greeting? Some might say, well, I've been too hurt by many people in the church to serve them in this way. I, I feel like I, I just, I'm just more reserved because I've been so hurt. Listen, the truth of the matter is, as you serve other people, you may find that you are hurt, but if you first serve the Lord Christ, you'll find that he will never hurt. Do you know, serving a person is actually a lesser service. We say, I want to first serve the Lord Christ And he will never hurt you. And when we serve him rightly, people are then rightly served. So make him your first point of service. You say, well, I have been hurt by, I know. We can be hurt when we serve. But you're never going to be disappointed by him. People, yes. Him, never. Uh, This last weekend we had our ladies retreat. And so the staff men, our our pastoral staff, we're all up there. We're like the bag boys, okay? Okay. So we're just helping ladies with luggage. And by the way, ladies, you were lousy tippers. I just want to say that right now. <laughs> so here we are. We're, we're just hauling bags, putting them in carts and driving them to their cabins. And, and um, so I had, you know, I'm, I'm loading up a cart. We had golf carts and such. And, and so I'm, I'm pulling some things out of. And one of my helpers for a while was Judah Burdick. And Judah's four years old. He's the son of our care pastor, uh, Pastor Josh Burdick, and his wife, Michelle. And so Judah is helping me, and and he's riding. And and we went over to a trunk, and there was a bag. And he says, I'm going to help. I'm going to carry. First, he wanted to carry a big suitcase. I'm like, no, 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 because he's trying to get it out. He wants to serve. And I'm like, no, 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 here, here, take this. And there was another bag. And by the way, you ladies packed a lot for the weekend too, okay? So I gave him a bag, and he's got the bag, and he's walking over. And I come and grab the suitcase, okay? So I grabbed the suitcase and I lift it and turn. Well, Judah was really fast. He got that bag over there and he came back and his head is just right at the same. I did, I did. I lifted that suitcase up and I turned it around and Judah's right there and bam, I just knocked him down. And he looked up at me like, that's my pastor, you know? And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I picked him up. You know, he's four years old. Do you know there's that tipping point like, am I going to cry or am I not? Okay. So I'm trying to distract him. You know, I'm like, oh, Judah, Judah, man, you're quite a tough guy. You're quite a tough boy. Wow, you're not even crying. You know, that kind of a thing. And, um, and, and Judah, you know, he stands up and I stand him up in the cart and, and he kind of like, blah, 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 you know, and, and he looks at me like, oh, you're the guy who hit me. You know? <laughs> and then honestly, and I mean, to his credit, he didn't cry. And I did. I really like, I clobbered him a good one. 
okay? He doesn't cry. And then, do you know what he's, he's, he's doing? He's like right back in it. He's right back in it. He's, just, he's four years old, but he's like, okay, I know, I know. Sometimes, apparently, you do get hurt serving. But he's right back in it. Campus Church, don't use a past hurt as an excuse for not serving. Ask yourself, who is it first and foremost that I serve? If you first serve the Lord Christ, you have found the right place of service. So Phoebe, yeah, she, she, Paul has this referral. He says, she's my sister. He has this recognition she's a servant. And let me just wrap it up with Paul's regard. She is a securer. I'm just going to mention this, but look at verse, the, the, verse number two in our text. That ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a securer of many and of myself also. Do you know what the word securer means? It's the only place in all of Scripture that the word's used. Here's what it means. It means a female guardian, a protectress, one who is caring for the needs of others and aiding them with her resources. Phoebe was using the resources entrusted to her to advance the work that had been entrusted to many. By the way, one of the reasons we should all faithfully give to what we refer to as the Lord's work, the church, is because we are seeking to take those resources that we've mentioned with open hand and say, Lord, you advance your work through this. The securer of many. She appears again to have just said, Lord, how can I use even my financial resources? There's indication here that she is almost what we'd refer to as the sponsor of many. That she's taking financial resources and saying, okay, how can I sponsor this work? Years ago, when I first began to receive a paycheck, just personally, I began to tithe as soon as I was paid. And this was just a starting point for me to say, okay, how am I supposed to use that which God has entrusted into my care to advance the work? So early on, when, when my resources were small, as soon as I received something, I turned it around and said, Lord, the first fruits of these are yours. Then when Julie and I married, we continued and increased this practice. We didn't really look at it as giving to the Lord's work, but rather stewarding that which already belongs to God. I wonder, church, if you are faithfully saying, Lord, you are the one who has rescued me, and through the work of the church, how can I faithfully advance the same? She again appears with open hands to have said, Lord, advance your work in and through me. Paul said, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. So listen to where that same word is also translated, and then we'll be done. Take your Bible or look with me on the screen at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 17. Paul is beginning or preparing to stand before Nero, and notice what he says. He says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me 
the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. The word stood with me. It's the same Greek word translated in our text as assist her. It was the Lord that assisted Paul. And Paul is saying, you provide this for my sister, Phoebe. He's saying, stand by her. Do you know, sometimes the only assistance that another person needs is your presence standing with them. They're not looking for financial help. That they're not looking for someone to help carry some kind of load. Do you know in a church this size, I suspect that there are many that are just saying, oh God, if there would just be one who would stand by me. And the Apostle Paul said, listen, I prayed, if you study the passage we just looked at, I prayed that the Lord will not hold this to your account because when I was getting ready to stand before Nero, all forsook me. Thankfully, Jesus himself came and, and stood by me. And do you know who Jesus himself is asking us to stand by? And that is one another you are not an isolated consumer at Campus Church. You are a member of the body. You are members then in particular that make up the whole. And at times there are members that are part of this body that need another person to just come and stand by. There may have been a time in your life when you were preparing for some ominous thing. I've watched it myself more times than I wish I had to acknowledge. When a person is standing at a doorway and doors are about to open and they're about to walk in and grieve collectively at a final goodbye, the loss of a loved one. And then I've also, if I'm the fly on the wall, I have watched it happen time and time again. Someone who just comes, it could be a close friend, it could be a relative. And as they're standing there breathing deeply, ready to take a step into what is going to be collectively that final goodbye. To just watch someone come up and put a hand on their shoulder, put an arm around their body, hold them next to themselves and say, okay, let's go. That's one instance of many where someone comes and stands by. Campus Church, you may not know the needs of those you are sitting by. As God reveals them to us and as we make ourselves available to him, may we do what Phoebe did for others and what Paul was now asking others to do for Phoebe. May we stand by not just her, but may we stand by one another.